0: Hi guys, welcome back to North Point Plus. My name is Jenna Defrain. I am the children's minister here, and this is
1: I'm Rick Rubel. I'm looking for a red light. I don't see any red lights. But we've got all the cameras going. This is this is our high tech studio <laughs> with our tech ministeress Sylvia Jarvis. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't see any red lights. Oh well. I know, I'm on the monitor well. Hi, welcome.
0: Hi, Jenna. Hi! Wait, Your first to
1: time to host with me.
0: Do we want to restart? What's that? Do we want to restart? No. No? Keep going?
1: Yeah, we'll just keep rolling.
0: <laughs> Sounds good. Oh, this we... Is. We are on episode 109.
1: Welcome. We
0: are excited for it. Uh,
1: now I don't even know where to look. This is crazy. That's okay. One. I'll just let you take care of it, Sylvia. <laughs> I'll just talk to Jenna.
0: <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about what you taught on Sunday and kind of what you. No
1: intro. There. No. no, no we're nothing. We're jumping right on it. I'm,
0: I'm ready. How are you? I, I'm fine. Are you recovering I, from Sri Lanka.
1: I am pretty well back to normal, and okay. I I shared this morning. Yeah. I bought a suit for the first time in 16 years. Yeah. This weekend? Yeah.
0: Yeah. What yeah. made you buy the suit?
1: I am doing my cousin's daughter's wedding this weekend in Charlevoix. Oh wow. So we're going up north and going to see some colors hopefully. And then the following weekend, I am doing Brent Conlon and Wendy Nash's wedding oh, in awesome. Niles, Michigan. So, yeah, and okay. yeah, I'll, I'll be yeah. out a little bit. But uh, yeah. so yeah, I figured it was time to get a new suit. So, yeah. after 16 years,
0: yeah. just a little bit. Well, I
1: don't wear it that often, yeah. but it's still time.
0: Yeah, if I do my math right, the last time you bought a suit, I think I was five years old. <laughs> five years old. I th- I'm really I bad I wasn't at five here. years old. You were not five years old.
1: Actually, 16 years ago, I bought that suit for my oldest daughter's wedding. Oh. And I've worn it for every daughter's wedding since, and a lot of funerals, and a lot of other weddings. So anyway, okay, we yeah. can jump in now.
0: Let's jump on it. So what and where... Is Solomon's Colony.
1: Oh, this, uh, you want me to recap first?
0: Yeah, let's recap.
1: Um, so we are in this s- blueprint series where we're just talking about the church. And so, uh, Message Sunday was from Acts 3 and 4, mm-hmm. and um, and it's a familiar passage, um, for many mm-hmm. who are real familiar with the church in the New Testament. Um, if you grew up in the church, Uh, There was a song that we used to sing as a kid Mm -hmm. that you always knew you were going to sing, Peter and John Went to Pray. If it started like this, (laughs) Peter and John went to pray, they met a layman on the way, and it keeps going. Uh, I won't sing the whole (laughs) song. Y'all are laughing at me. That's okay. (laughs) Sylvia, you never sang that song. No. We might um, need
0: it down in kids' ministry. It's a so it's a very
1: head. active song, yeah. uh, because you get to the chorus. This is what Peter did say, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have given thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. They went walking and leaping and praising God. Uh, some of you are really enjoying that. Some of you are really enjoying it at my expense. <laughs> um anyway, it's a it's a it's a cool passage. Um and and so I really, uh, the Sunday's message was a little bit different because I wanted to talk about Sri Lanka. Yeah. I wanted to talk about the trip and bring people up to date on that. And um, and so we spent some time on that. Mm-hmm. Um, when this comes out uh, Tuesday, when this drops, be sure on Thursday and watch the Sri Lanka North Point Conversations uh, podcast this week and next. Um, it'll give you a, a sense of, of um, what we did there a little bit more than I was able to share on Sunday morning, cool stuff. Um, but then I told a story about uh, a missionary who was martyred mm-hmm. that I never knew, but I knew of when I was growing up, and uh, heard stories about. And so I shared that because Peter and John um, they don't get martyred, but they get thrown in jail, mm-hmm. um, and they get thrown in jail for um, for healing a guy who was who was lame since birth, yeah, and. Um, and so to just kind of contextualize the boldness, and, and then three big points that, that came out of the message, salvation is only found in Jesus mm-hmm. um, that uh, uh, I'm trying to think I don't have my notes right in front of me, my, my other two points. Um, uh, you can't stop talking about Jesus and you've got to be with Jesus. That they were that they noticed that they had been with Jesus, and so they acted differently because they had been with Jesus, and they couldn't stop talking about. What Jesus had done in their lives, so that's that's kind of the synopsis of the message. Mm-hmm. So, in the midst of that, there's this question that came in um, in the beginning of uh, Acts chapter three. It mm-hmm. says, um, after they had healed this guy, mm-hmm. um, the the man uh, was walking and leaping. People were amazed um the the man held on to Peter and John and the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's colonnade. Yeah. Um and the question is what's Solomon's colonnade? Mm-hmm. So uh do you know?
0: I don't, which is actually like I'm mean, it's like I don't. Oh really? Cool. Yeah, I just cool. don't, yeah.
1: <laughs> so so history the history piece is the um temple was built by Solomon. Mm-hmm. Um David's son, uh second uh, third king of Israel. Mm-hmm. B- big, beautiful temple. Um, it actually was was torn down. It was destroyed yes. um, by the Babylonians mm-hmm. when uh, Israel was taken captive. Mm-hmm. Um, Herod the Great rebuilt mm-hmm. the temple um, uh, about 30 years before Jesus was born. So the temple was there. It was reinstated. They could sacrifice. Um, they could really do all of the stuff associated with the Jewish faith that they hadn't been able to do for generations because the temple had been, um, had been destroyed. On one of the walls, that wall was still existing, and, and um, they built the temple, um, Herod the Great built the temple next to that, um, and there, it, there's an area on the outside of the temple, well... Uh, the exterior wall coming in that is this big porch with these big columns. Mm -hmm. And it was known as Solomon's Colonnade because of the columns that were there and and Mm -hmm. because it was connected to Solomon's, um, to the temple that Solomon had built. So if you think back, this is before you... You were at North Point um, uh, a year ago. Can't remember, uh, and can't even remember the context of the message. But, but I spent a lot of time talking about the temple, and we looked at some diagrams, some pictures of kind of what the temple looked like. There's a big area on the outside where people would just gather. That was um, that would have been in Solomon's colonnade, or sometimes it's called Solomon's porch. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just a gathering area that it was on the outside of the Court of the Gentiles. So uh, uh, pretty much anybody could go there. If you remember, there's the Court of the Gentiles, mm-hmm. then the Court of the Women, mm-hmm. um, and, and, yeah. Yeah, and then the Interior Court, and then the Holy of Holies. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. it.
0: Yeah, I was curious, even on Sunday when I read that, because I read through the NLT version, and I uh-huh, saw that, yeah. and I was like... Are, am I in the right verse? Because yeah. it wasn't in um the same verse. I was curious. Well that's awesome to kinda hear about, especially because I think it gives us that visual mm-hmm. of yeah. seeing it as well as the history. I think because you know, that debunks the yeah, know, people thinking it's not real. It
1: yeah, if sense. if you um uh, even as you're listening right now, if you Google uh Temple, Jerusalem temple, mm-hmm. um you can see there's a there's a mammoth um uh recreation. Of what the city of Jerusalem looked like, along with the temple from the first century, that's that that's there in Israel. When I was in Israel in, in eleven, we got to see that. It's it's a it's a pretty big deal that you can see there. But it gives you a sense of how big the temple was. And so that colonnade was not. It was not like a ten foot um, ceiling. That kind of porch. It's it's mm-hmm. it's mammoth. I, I couldn't tell you how high it was. But the if you think about the Western Wall. Um, the temple had walls that went around all four sides, so it was not an open-air kind of thing. Mm-hmm. There were gates that went in, and this guy was at one of those gates, at the Gate Beautiful, and he was begging for alms as people would go into the temple.
0: Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we see in, in this passage and what you taught on Sunday is missions trips. Mm-hmm. And truly, yeah, what we see in the disciples is they heard the gospel— they saw Jesus resurrect, and they have to go tell people about yep. it. And nowadays we do the same things, but we call them missions trips. Are mission trips needed? Is it important? And are they worth it? Like, what's why do we do it?
1: Yeah, I um, I spent a good time talking about the trip to Sri Lanka, um, a little bit of time teasing the trip that we're going to take to Kenya in, um, in 2024, um, in July of 2024, and... Um, and oftentimes there are there are questions, conversations we have that, that where people say, "Wouldn't it just make a lot more sense to take the money that it would cost mm-hmm. to go on the trip, send that to the missionaries, and let them use that for their for uh, whatever reasons, uh, whatever purposes for ministry they can?" And what typically happens to anybody who goes on a mission trip that the benefit that comes to the missionaries um, is significant. Because like for our team and the team from Kentucky, there are 14 people who are just really fired up about what uh, Laminda and Denise are doing in Sri Lanka that have, um, I, uh, Don, uh, Don McKeel says it all the time, he left his heart mm. in um, in Sri Lanka. We care about the people that we met there, care about what the, what's going on with the church, yeah. um, care with all the churches that we met, that kind of thing. You can't you can't get that without going there mm-hmm. um it's uh it's one thing to have limited denise come here and th- they'll be here next summer it's not the same thing as going and seeing what god is doing in that particular culture um and, but what typically happens is that a mission trip changes the way that you think it changes your life it 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 changes the way that you see god working and and so i'm a big advocate for um for going on mission trips because they're not just a vacation. Yeah. They're not, um, they're not, uh, boondoggle kind of thing that, you know, that, that, that's just, Oh, that's fun. Um, it really is. It has the ability for God to work in your heart. Yeah. And what, um, I've, I've said before, um, one of the things that I have a friend that, that they pray for, uh, for mission trips is that there would be lots of struggles, because yeah. typically when you go on a trip, and that doesn't matter whether that's here in the U.S. or outside the U.S., you encounter things that you wouldn't encounter at home and you have to depend on God in a mm. greater way. Yeah. And and so the growth that happens as a result of that is significant. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when Chris was here and, and we would talk about how people grow spiritually, one of the things that we said is there's, there are significant events that happen in people's lives. Yeah. Sometimes it's crisis. Um, sometimes it's, uh, it's an experience that you have with Jesus, but, but those moments, um, significantly impact your ability to see God working in your life, God working around you and, and your desire to know him and love him in greater ways. Mission trips are one of those things. And oftentimes you go in a place where you don't know the language, Mm -hmm. um, you don't know the food or the culture, and you have to depend on God in a greater way. Yeah. than you would if, if you were here, and, and what happens as a result of that is growth. It's it's good stuff, yeah.
0: Yeah, when I was interning at a church in Missouri, um, one of the young adult pastors, actually, he him and his wife went uh, to Asia, and they went there for about a week, and then they came back, and they're like, we no longer want to do ministry in America anymore. We're moving mm. there, actually. Yeah. And it was because that was not their plan at all. Their plan was to continue to do all the ministry in America. Like, that's what they wanted. Then after going there, and they're like, we have to go there. They don't know the gospel. We yeah. have to. They, they, need, they, they need the gospel. They have little, but they will have much. Yeah. And, you know, it's when I first became a Christian, I was very against mission trips because, you know, I was in high school. So, granted. And I was like, oh, it's just vacation. That's what it is. It's all I saw. And then yeah. as I grew more and more uh, in Christ and learning more and seeing the reality of how many people don't know Jesus in this mm-hmm. world, yeah, um, like in college, I learned that, you know, people only know Jesus as his name in vain and not but actually sure. for what it is. Um, it changed my heart. Even a short-term missions trips, I used to hate those. I was like, oh, only long-term. And now I'm like a day mission trip. Mm-hmm that will help somebody and that will reach somebody. And I think we gotta change our mindset on mission trips.
1: Yeah, then. the there um like for me, so my first my first trip was in nineteen eighty nine uh and we went to Honduras. Mm-hmm. And um and and I came back from that trip very aware I actually we went to Honduras in eighty nine, ninety 92, 93, 95, and 96. So I did six trips to Honduras. This is when I was on staff at the church in Maryland. Mm -hmm. And um, going to the same place six times over Mm -hmm. a period of of eight years, seven years, um, I saw things and experienced things that you don't necessarily see on your first trip. You just become a lot more aware of the culture, the people, you have um, more consistent relationships, that kind of thing. And... And you notice what's going on with the missionaries a little bit more. And so through that process, I really came to a place where I said, whenever we do a trip, we don't ever want to be a burden for the missionaries. Mm -hmm. Um, Lots of times a team will come and the missionaries are like saying, okay, how soon do they leave? (laughs) Because it's keeping them from doing what they would normally do. Um, It oftentimes is um, a burden financially for them. And um, and a lot of times they're just trying to find things to keep th- this team busy. Yeah. Uh, from my perspective, every time that we've done a trip, um, really since the since the early '90s, I've felt like I want to say w- we don't want to come unless we can do something that would help the ministry, that would right. be something that you can't do on your own, yeah. um, and we want to bless you. So so like um, in this trip. We budgeted extra money to be able to give gifts at the end that was that were more than our expenses, but it was it was money that's going to allow them to do things that they couldn't do otherwise. Because uh, I want them to feel like, please come back, please come back, not just for the money, but because because there was a connection made and their ministry can grow as a result of that. Yeah. And so um, that that really. Uh, that's that's our heart, and North Point has a long history of mission trips. Um, before I was on staff, um, there were there was a trip to the Philippines. There was a trip um, to to Ecuador um, before before we were connected to Ecuador. Um, there were multiple trips within the U.S. that that partnered with Samaritan's Purse when there were um, disasters. Um, yeah. Teams of people that came to help with. Um, the hurricane that hit the east coast uh i think with katrina as well and so um i i just encourage anybody again i'm not sure which camera to look at <laughs> <Right there. laughs> um i would encourage anybody hey the red lights on now <laughs> great um i would i would encourage anybody if you have an opportunity to go on a trip yeah because you will experience God working in you in a way that that is not just going to it's just not going to happen at home. Yeah. And and like you said even a day to go down and work at at um at City Rescue Mission in mm-hmm. Lansing, God will change you. Uh what what's going on right now in rooted groups as they begin to serve, um some of the groups are, are going places and doing things that make them real uncomfortable and God's working in that. So okay. yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, it's what I love about the gospel, and this kind of goes into the story that we read in the Bible, is that when you fully understand and you fully know who Jesus is in the gospel, all you want to do is tell people about it. Yeah. That's it's all you the want. M- the most th- natural
1: thing in the world. Right. Yeah.
0: And I think through missions, that's a way we are able to vocalize it in action and do it, mm-hmm. is to go out and tell. So one of the questions is, uh, based off of the verse, it says, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth walk. What does it mean to give what we have?
1: Yeah, I, I, I just wanted to talk about that a little bit because I didn't really end up with, with um, the time that I wanted to spend on that. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, um, we think about what we don't have, um, and that impacts um, how we think God might be able to use us. Mm-hmm. So Peter and John... Um, the the beggar his most um, the need that he was most aware of was that he needed money. Well, he didn't really need money. He uh, his body needed to be healed, but he needed to know Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so um, they said, w- "You know what? We can't help you with that with that need that you think you have, but we can help you with something a lot uh, more significant." Mm-hmm. Uh, what I want to just communicate to everybody who's listening is, God has equipped you. He's given you gifts. Mm -hmm. Um, that you can use to help people come to know Jesus. Um, It may not be to heal a lame man, Mm -hmm. um, but it may be that you have the ability, I I think I mentioned in the message, that you have the ability to cook. And Mm -hmm. so um, you can minister to people through that gift of cooking in a way that draws people to Jesus. Um, if you have any kind of home apartment, whatever you can invite people in, you don't have a lot you, you, maybe you can't house somebody for, you know, share your home for a year, but you can have somebody over for dinner. Um, maybe you've got, um, abilities in, in sports or athletics or whatever, you can use those to build relationships that can draw people to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so, um, oftentimes we think, I don't have a seminary degree, I'm not good with words, I don't know all the answers to everything, mm-hmm. so I'm just not going to do anything, mm-hmm. and um, and I, j- I just think that there's a tremendous um, example for us in Peter and John saying, hey, you know what, we don't have this. But here's what we do have, and and we'll give you that, and yeah. and God's going to use that.
0: Yeah, what I love is that when he said like we don't have the words, we don't have any of that, I get reminded of Moses mm-hmm. and him being like, God, who who do you think I am? I can't talk, and then God's right. like, but do you know who I know who you are? Yeah, and so I think we got to get on board with who God is seeing in us right. in these traits, because He created us. He created right. us to be able to cook. He created us to have those certain traits and those talents to be able to bless. Others to show who he is. Yeah. And I think if we stifle those gifts, you know, it's going to hurt us and it's going to possibly hurt others. You know, God can can do whatever he, whatever he wants. I'm not saying he can't, but if he's given you those gifts and those traits, use them. Yeah. And it's, I think people will naturally see their lives change as well. Yeah. Once they start using those gifts to bless the community. So. You talked about North Point's guardrails <laughs> and working with lots of different churches in Sri Lanka. What kind of churches slash organizations would be outside of our Unity of Believers guardrail?
1: Yeah, l- let me just talk about that for a second. I yeah. mentioned it. I We typically talk about it in um, in Second Sunday. We talk about it in North Point 101. It's kind of foundational. I think if you're around North Point, you would... Uh, we might not say guardrails per se, but you'll get a sense of this. Mm-hmm. We um, we believe I, so. So if you think about driving down the road, guardrails that are on both sides—they keep you on on track, keep you going in the right direction. Our guardrails are the authority of Scripture. Mm-hmm. So um, so all of our messages uh, on Sunday mornings, everything that we do is going to be um, it's going to be developed with the idea that Scripture's our authority, that that's mm-hmm. how we know God, that's how we know how to live our lives. Scripture, scripture is God revealing himself to us. Everything drives from that. Mm-hmm. That um, If that's the only thing that that somebody ever says, it becomes real easy to say, oh, Scripture's authority. If you don't agree with me, you're wrong, you're not going to heaven, mm-hmm. and, and to have a very legalistic view yeah. of what Scripture says. Um, the so the other guardrail for us is, the, is what we would say is the unity of believers, that, that people who are pursuing a relationship with Jesus, um, it doesn't matter where they come from, we don't have to agree on everything. Mm-hmm. We talk about our big rocks at North Point, um, the core components in, in terms of who God is, who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is, mm-hmm. um, who man is, that, mm-hmm. that, that, that we're sinful, we can't do it on our own, yep. what salvation's all about. Um, the authority of Scripture, those are our big rocks. Um, but there's a lot of latitude in terms of we have people that disagree on all kinds of things the- yeah. theologically at North Point, people that disagree about how active or inactive we should be politically. Yeah. Um, people that, that might disagree for how about how we would um, deal with any kind of situations. Yeah. and and we would say that's okay. Provided we're looking at scripture to find our answers, um, we can disagree and still be on the same team, still be um, moving towards having together, um, and and not um, not alienate each other, not yeah. fight with each other, yeah. who all are on team Jesus. Yeah. Um, so in Sri Lanka it was just a really really cool thing mm-hmm. because I I mentioned the the wide diversity from a Christian reformed church to a charismatic church to assembly of god church mm-hmm. to an anglican church um mm-hmm. uh, 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 evangelical church involved in all of that um ministry and just really jazzed about it because they all are pursuing Jesus and yeah. and what God wants to happen in Sri Lanka. Mm-hmm. Um, we can partner in that. Yeah. So so what what falls outside of the guardrails, both here and around the world, um, anything that would not align with Scripture, mm-hmm. that that would be um, not just a disagreement theologically, but but would say no, Jesus is not the only way. That you know that that uh, core components core beliefs in terms of scripture um, th- that would disagree about d- disagree with that that would be outside the guardrail mm-hmm. um, or uh, on the other side, um people who have a very um legalistic view um, mm-hmm. that would probably be outside of our guard guardrails as well in terms of who would partner with because um it's easy to in the church think. Oh, if you disagree about this particular piece of theology, you're not going to heaven because we disagree okay. about that, yeah, and yeah. Um, and that's not who we are as a church. That's I don't think that's the spirit of um, that that the Holy Spirit has given us, um, and so uh, anything that that would be in direct violation with Scripture would would be outside of our guardrails. Right. Um, so we didn't. Partner with any Buddhist groups or um, yeah. Hindu groups, um, mm-hmm. but but churches who were serious about following Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, all the all the more. Yeah, um, let's let's work together.
0: Yeah, how did we come up with those guardrails? Was it just you who came up with it? Was it um, just the, as a congregation? The, how did we come up um, with those?
1: that I terminology? Know. I probably um, brought uh, into common usage, mm-hmm. but that. Um, those concepts exist. I don't know when they would have started. I um, actually, actually, probably if I tell the, the story of, of North Point's history, I would say it this way. You know, when the church was started in 1840, mm-hmm. um, it was a Baptist church, high view of Scripture. Mm-hmm. What um, you know, what God's Word says, that's what we're going to stand on. That's who we're going to be as a people. Um, fast forward from 1840, there were a couple of, uh, changes in terms of Baptist denominational, Mm -hmm. um, uh, ideology that, that shaped some things. But in 1929, um, so that's, what is that, 89 years, almost 90 years after the church was started, Mm -hmm. um, the Methodist church burnt down in DeWitt, and, um, and the, the church, uh First Baptist, and uh, we the church was then known as I think DeWitt Baptist Church or First Baptist. Mm-hmm. Um invited the Methodists to come worship with them, not separately, use the building at a different time, but said, let's just all worship together. Yeah. When the Methodists ended up building a building and um and so there was a Methodist church in town, mm-hmm. the leaders of of um of North Point of uh, DeWitt Baptist Church at that point said, um we don't want to be a church just for Baptists. Yeah. We want to be a church for the community, and um, and that's that concept of unity of believers. And so, um, in nineteen twenty nine, they changed their name from uh, Baptist to to Dewitt Community Church, mm-hmm. and um, and that's the that's the um, that was, I think, probably a defining moment in the history of the church. Without going into too long a story, um, there were multiple times in the future, in the sixties and seventies, where they partner with other organizations that um, were that had different perspective on um, what it meant to follow Jesus than, than the church did. They did that together because of the, the unity concept. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, and then when those well, one of those organizations really um, veered away from the authority of Scripture, they said, no, we can't go there. That's not who we are. And, um, and so they severed those ties, still supported missionaries yeah. that, that believed in the authority of Scripture, that were a part of that particular um, denominational group. And, um, and, I, and I just think that's really cool. So those concepts, long before I got here, yeah. those concepts were a part of the DNA of of DeWitt Community Church of North Point. And um, we've we have talked about them in terms of guardrails, mm-hmm. uh, really, for the last eight, nine years, something like that, it, with that language.
0: Yeah. So another thing that we really got to dive into on Sunday was persecution, of mm-hmm. uh, the result of what happened, of them healing. Was well, yeah. They were definitely known for being Christ's follow- followers, and they were like thrown in jail, and they were all these things. Yeah. As Christians, you know, we see that. We're seeing it more, one, because of social media. We see it more because it's in front of us. Um, How can we be praying for those who are being persecuted? And two, how can we stand strong in our faith when we are heavily persecuted?
1: Well, those great questions. I I think you start recognizing that when you read through the book of Acts, this is the—well, obviously— um, the persecution of Jesus is is where stuff starts in terms of yeah. his his um, beating, his crucifixion, ultimately his execution. Um, the uh, In this case, they're thrown in jail just for a night. As we move forward um, in Acts 6, Acts 7, Stephen's going to be become the first martyr. Yeah. But then as you proceed forward, it's time that, that uh, several um, instances that we've talked about in the past... Um, in Philippi, Paul and Silas get thrown into jail. Um, God sends an earthquake. Um, mm-hmm. Saul is there when Stephen is martyred, and, and Saul is chasing down followers of Jesus, ready yeah. to kill him. Um, I I think, how do you stand firm in that? It's not, I don't think that's anything that you can manufacture. Mm-hmm. It It really is. Peter and John's statement, when they say, we can't help but uh, you know, do we obey God, or do we obey obey you man? Um, we can 't help but but talk about what God has done in our lives we can 't betray the truth that God has transformed us, and so i don't know that we need to um, prepare for persecution in any yeah. way i I think we need to. Just be drawn to Jesus mm-hmm. and, and walk in that relationship, recognizing that Jesus said, in the world you'll have, pers- you, you'll have tribulation, you'll have persecution. Um, that's just That's that. what's what, that, just, yeah, that. yeah, what just going to happen. Be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. Yeah. Um, the, the, uh, I think that brings perspective I think you expect that that's going to come; that you know yeah. it's going to come. You don't seek it out, but you know that that's going to be there. Mm-hmm. In terms of praying for people around the world, there's a great organization called Voice of the Martyrs, mm-hmm. um, and it talks about persecution that's happening in the church around the world. Yeah. And so, uh, I think if you Google Voice of the Martyrs, you can get on their mailing list. They send out a great monthly magazine that talks uh, that tells stories of of people who are standing. Strong in their faith in mm-hmm. light of persecution.
0: Yeah, and I wanted to find what is per- is persecution just getting arrested, getting killed, or is it like, you know, in high school I would get called, you know, the Bible thumper, you know, yeah. th- Jesus freak. Is that persecution or like, where's the line? Because I'm from the South, so everything's uh, um, yeah, it's a little different. You, you want to be legalistic? Huh? Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I I think I think the uh, I think in the U.S. we As followers of Jesus, have a pretty weak view of what persecution is. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, we live in a culture right now where if anybody says, "Oh, um, I feel threatened by you," that's you know, that's a red red flag kind of deal. In reality, I'm old, and so I keep thinking back to when I was a kid and hearing people say, "Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt Mm me." Um, The the reality is there are followers of Jesus around the world who are being thrown in jail, who are being, um, maimed, Mm -hmm. who are being, um, killed, executed because of their faith. That's, that's real persecution. There are people who are losing their businesses because they're followers of Jesus. Um, that while that may happen, some in the U S we tend to talk more about persecution. Oh, I didn't get a promotion. And, and, Is that persecution? Well, yeah, Mm -hmm. but um, anything that any suffering that we experience for the name of Christ, uh, we we just kind of need to say, yeah, that's that's par for the course. And um, when when we um, when we kind of I don't want to use the wrong word when we think about the persecution that we experience at whatever level it is. I think it's helpful to realize our life on earth is just a blip in eternity. Yeah. And it's and it's um, if you yeah. think about whatever struggles we may have here in light of eternity, mm-hmm. it's just it's just a moment and yeah. and don't get shaken by that.
0: Yeah, I have a quick story for we wrap it up. And merge, we were learning about, you know, Paul killing Christians mm-hmm. and one of the things they said was that's a little excessive.
1: One of the kids said One that. One of the kids. Yeah. Where
0: it's like, that's a little excessive for Paul to be killing Christians. And then in kids' world, a uh, child was like, well, I'm happy that doesn't happen now. And it was it was such a, because as an adult, we know what's happening around the world, yeah. which is also why I love working in children with ministry, is because yeah. you see the childlike faith. They're not worried about the world. Right. They're like, God's awesome. Let's go. And that's all they're worried about um, and seeing. And I think, you know, it's it's challenging cuz in America, you know, we're not being arrested and killed for our faith, but there are definitely people around the world who are. Yeah. It's hard. It's a hard, thing.
1: Yeah, um it, you know in in prepping Sunday's message and uh, and doing some research to think back about Phyllis Ryan, the the lady that I talked about that was that was martyred in 1964. Um the uh it it just is interesting cuz um the people that influenced her. One, one of the speakers that influenced her, yeah. um, God used his conversation with her when she was a teenager to have her go to Africa, mm-hmm. is a, is a, was a name that I know and that I remembered as a kid hearing him speak. Um, I remember playing with his son that was my age, um, which was just kind of interesting, but, but it, it was a different time. And and people talked differently. Mm-hmm. But it was not uncommon as I was growing up for for preachers to tell the story of Phyllis Ryan and say, mm-hmm. Okay, here's the deal, here's the question. Who's gonna take her place? Mm-hmm. She's not there anymore. Right. Who's gonna step up yeah. and take her place? Because there are people who are lost mm-hmm. and going to hell yeah. because there's nobody to tell them about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so that the gravity of that mm-hmm um is sobering. Yeah. And while God may not be calling you, who's uh, you know, anybody who's watching to right. Africa, mm-hmm. there are people in your sphere of influence that um may not ever hear about Jesus yeah. except through mm-hmm. you. Not just through your life, but through your words. And so um uh take seriously that you know that the the vision that we've talked about in terms of Everybody who calls North Point home sees God working in their life and talks about Him in their yeah. sphere of influence. It, that's yeah. a big deal.
0: Yeah. And there are still people in the world that have never heard right. of Jesus or the name Jesus or the gospel. Right. And encouraging people who are watching, uh, pray for those people. Yeah. And if this is talking at your heart, go do it. Yeah. You know, if you're like, man, people don't know about the gospel. I want to go to tribal nations. I want to go to Papua yeah. Guinea. I want to do it yeah what's stopping you
1: yeah, and right um and again that's a part of the north Point story our our missionaries to ukraine Herb and kim burkett uh, i just love hearing their story we uh, it's in one of our past podcasts. I wish I could tell you off the top of my head what number it, it was but if but if you look at when they were here, which would have been earlier this summer, and they tell their story they they went to a little weekend missions emphasis thing here at North Point back in um in the 90s and out of it came home and said I think we're supposed to go. Yeah. And um and that's really cool. We've got right now you know we've we've had high school and college kids go do trips with Ywam or whatever. We've got um uh, one of our our girls right now that's training with uh at um Ethnos 360 mm-hmm. in Wisconsin, um, Cassie Cassie Wood, that she's trying to sense is God calling me to go overseas to tell people about Jesus mm-hmm. and and so pray for pray for Cassie, you yeah. know, pray for that God would raise people up to to go.
0: Yeah, so as we wrap up things, uh, for those watching, you know, use the gifts that God has given you to bless the community, bless those around you. Uh, If you believe in the gospel, go tell somebody about it, even if it's an awkward elevator. Tell the person. (laughs) You never know. I've done it. It's awesome. And be praying for those who are being persecuted. And that is it. Yeah, Yeah, cool. Have a good week, you guys. Have a good one.